I'm not what happened to me. I'm what I choose to become. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And that's back to that idea of if you take responsibility, then you have the power. So I think that for me is great. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Vicki Wache, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you today about your book, The Wealthy Retirement Plan, A Revolutionary Guide to Living the Rest of Your Life in Style. Great title, Vicky. Thank you for joining me on the, on the podcast. Hi, Aaron. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And before we jump into your book, Vicky, if you wouldn't mind just telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you've got going on right now. Okay. So if we start off in terms of labels and job titles and that sort of thing, I've gone from a single mother on benefits, which we have in the UK. So, you know, being supported by the government because I had nothing else through to a university lecture because I just didn't want to sit at home anymore and I wanted to do something. So started off as a student and then became a lecturer. And then I was made redundant and started working for myself because I didn't want to give control to anybody else anymore. So I've done property investing. I run my own businesses, international speaker and author. You've mentioned one of my books, but that's actually book number five. Wow. There are three property books and one story for the future, 85 years in the future. Awesome. So that's, that's it. That's what I'm up to. That's awesome. Well, some great shell. accomplishments. Uh, yeah, it's great that you know, all, of your, all of your stuff you've done, but obviously the, we're talking a lot about books and uh, publishing five, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Well, I just wondered if you might jump into what inspired you to write a Revolish, your wealthy retirement plan book and just give us the high level overview of the book. Sure. Okay. Well, I think really it came from in 2017, I was diagnosed with early onset arthritis. And prior to this, I used to drive up and down the country, either investing in property or speaking at events or working with my business clients. And I just couldn't drive that far anymore. I couldn't stand to speak. I couldn't even stand to walk around the shops anymore. And the pain was becoming so great that I couldn't work. And I just realized, you know, something needed to change. And I was literally on my last legs. And I, I'm not that old, you know. I now can say that there's a five at the beginning of my birthday. But, you know, I'm not old. And I just, yeah. I'd always thought I was halfway through my life. But in 2017, I thought, that's it. You know, now I'm on the slide down. And I really felt like I wanted to fight for a second chance. So got a doctor who literally cut off both my legs. I love saying it that way around for the wow. sort of the shock impact. But, but that's what happened. I got two hip replacements. And in order to replace your hips, they literally cut your leg off in the middle of your thigh bone and then, you know, stick a new thing in with a ball at one end and a 
sockety thing in the hip. And I had my shoulders done as well. I had all four major operations in the same year, 2018. Wow. And, and I'm literally bionic now. And that whole process shocked me. Um, it wasn't so much the surgery, but, but in amongst all the drugs and the recovery was realizing that doctors can literally rebuild us. And so when you think about how long you're going to live, and, and I can see you at the moment and can see that you're quite young, and I, I don't know what you think of your life expectancy, but a lot of people sort of tend to think somewhere in their 70s to their 80s, depending on how their parents and their grandparents have survived. But actually, the doctors with their innovations and their interventions are literally going to help you live longer than you believe you will now. And that means that you may well live longer than you can afford to. And as I started to process that thought, that's where the desire to write the book, to share that insight with people and to give them the practical tips that they need to sort of implement once they've had that wake-up call. Oh, man, amazing. That's quite the journey you've been on <laughs> there to, to recover physically. Do you feel, through that experience, like do you feel back to, I guess, yourself or how, how, how has things progressed? With, better. With better. I think, you know, if you have four back-to-back, -back, I mean, major, major surgery. So I had a, the first surgery January 2018, and that was two months of not being able to bend over because you can't bend over because of, and then I literally had a month or so off. And then I had another surgery in the May. Then I had another surgery in the August. Then I had another wow. surgery in the December. So, I mean, I was, you know, either on the drugs or coming off the drugs or preparing for the next one. And so last year, 2019, was about rebuilding my strength, getting used to my body. I would got scared to walk down the stairs in case I fell. Hmm. And so I had to sort of regain this sort of physical confidence. And we managed to move house and... So all of that this year, my lordy, I am on it. I'm a woman on the mission. I've, you know, it's as if I, do you have Red Bull in your country? That sugary drink? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, worse than caffeine. I can't even drink caffeine and I feel like I'm on 15, uh, intravenous Red Bull, you know, I'm oh, bursting awesome. energy. We've gone to the gym. I've always hated going to the gym. We've gone back down the gym and we're literally doing back-to-back -back classes, spinning classes followed by circuits. And I just can't believe that's, that's me, amazing. you know? Wow. Yeah, and, I, and it's wonderful. I mean, you know, woo, with the arms. It's, Congratulations. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Really well, good. That's got to be a big lifestyle change. I know before we were on the air here, we were talking about Disney World and Disneyland mm. and, and obviously to, to get yourself around in those places, <laughs> you have to be pretty mobile. So um, yeah. yeah. I mean, so that was like 25 to 30,000 steps a day if you do it by steps. Yeah. And I used to not be able to walk for even 15 minutes before. And I literally walked all day. And, and I think the one thing, maybe there's another book about health, but if you're young out there listening, and, and you, Aaron, I'm pointing <laughs> at you as well, whatever you do, protect your health now. It's so important. You only really want the doctors there to sort of buff you up slightly. You don't want them having to be fixing you because you didn't take care of yourself. You know, so exercise, eat well, you know, yeah, have a drink or whatever, but you don't have to drink to excess, but exercise and eat well and just protect this wonderful vessel that we've been given because this is the thing alongside the choices that you make that are going to help you enjoy your life the most. Ah, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful encouragement there, I think. That's absolutely the way to go. 
I think we all got to take care of ourselves and each other. And um, yeah, well, let's dive back into this retirement plan that you yep. you obviously have some experience with helping others with it, having written a book about retirement. And I wonder what conclusions you've come up with, maybe what tips you have for the listeners uh, if they're thinking about that. And I guess maybe what ages should you be thinking about all this stuff? Um, well, I don't think you can ever be too young to think about it. I know that sounds silly, but actually really what it is, is about it becoming your priority. If you like a pair of glasses through which you see everything. So if you can get over the word retirement, because I know certainly with a lot of the people that I speak to here in in the UK, it's like, well, but I don't want to retire. No, I understand you don't want to retire. You don't want to retire in the way that you think that word predicts your future. Right. But actually, what you want to do is to be in the position where you don't have to work if you don't want to, simply to pay the bills. And that's sort of the difference. So I know one of the chapters I talk about time and how we can rethink time. So if you start and forget the word retirement for a minute and think of the word time and future. How do you want to spend your time in the future? And if we plan that, and some people will want to be like I do with my grandchildren, and I want to make sure that whatever I do, I don't work full time because I want to have time off to be with my grandchildren and enjoy them. Yeah. I want to have holidays. I mentioned, I think, to you maybe scuba diving. I love scuba diving. So those sorts of things for me, which are around memories, are going to be really important. But then also, I don't want to completely give up everything. I also want to still have a business because I feel that I've got a purpose through my business to help other people create their lives through thinking about their time and then also thinking about their finances. So if you can think about your time and how you want to live your life, then we can come back and go, how much money do you need to live that lifestyle? What is the base level you need? What's the next level you need? What's the next level you need? And then work out those numbers and work out through a combination of work and investments and business opportunities, how you can start to generate that money so you can then have the life in the way that you want it now. And that's any age. You can start doing that at 20. Yeah. The only challenge will be how your mind can think forward to the future. But so many young people are so passionate about so many things. If you focused on how can I do the thing that I'm passionate about and then work out how you then backwards, how you then get the money to do that, that's effectively what the wealthy retirement plan is all about. You got it. Yeah, it makes so much sense, especially as you just said, to focus on that thing you're passionate about. We feel like maybe you're already retired at a young age anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it then doesn't become a burden because if, if it involves making a financial plan, and for most people, it will involve making a financial plan. It's not a case of, oh, but, you know, Vicky doesn't want me to spend. Vicky doesn't want me to have holidays. Vicky doesn't want me to go away. It's not that. What do you think is important to you? And is that thing that you think is important in your future, whether it's spending time with your family or creating a business, is that more important than the latte you were going to buy? And if the answer is yes, then don't buy the latte. Make sure that you then plan for the future again. And it, it just helps you think more about what you spend your money on. Be more conscious because we give our money away so easily. Before I started investing in property and, and thinking about all this stuff, I used to adore buying necklaces. And we had, used to have these places that we would go. We would go down to Brighton and we would go to Camden in London and we would look for necklaces and for jewelry. And I have got enough to open my own shop. 
<laughs> but it doesn't do me any good at all because I haven't opened a shop. They just sit there. I can only wear, you know, even if I had one on every finger, I can only wear 10 rings at any one time and potentially even two necklaces. What's all the rest of the stuff doing? It's all symbols of money that I have given to somebody else that I then can't spend on my future. And I won't even start telling you how my shoe habit was, but I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've knocked all that on the head now. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's sometimes, a lot of times I feel like we, we want what we want immediately. And so it's, it's like we give it, having the discipline maybe to give some of that up to postpone for something in the future is sometimes challenging. Do you ever run up into those sort of conversations with the customers or clients that you have? And I guess, what do you recommend in, in that regard? Well, because I think if you just change the way you think that sentence, it's not about giving something up now. It's about deciding. You see, money costs time. I think there's a saying that says time is money or money is time. Whichever way it is the right way around, it's also the other way around. And in order to earn every pound, every dollar, every euro you have, you've had to use some of your precious time in order to earn that. If you then go and spend it on something that really isn't that important to you, you give not only that pound, euro, dollar to someone else, but you also give the minutes that it took to earn it. And then in order to replace it, you've got to use more time up. So at the end of it, you've got a thing that you weren't that invested in, but now you've got twice as less time the first amount of time to pay for the thing and the second amount of time in order to replace the money that you spent. Now, I just said to you when we were talking about Disney, we went away to Disney with uh, my daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter for her birthday. And it was the most amazing memories that we've created, her third birthday in Disney. And we did everything. We stayed in a Disney hotel. We bought all the fast passes and things. And you know, we ate, we ate in the, in the parks, which isn't cheap by any means, Lordy. And so we invested money and time in that. So we invested the time to make the money, then the money to buy the holiday, and then the time to go on the holiday. But the memories are worth it. So I'm not saying don't have your holiday, but do you really need, I don't know, 15 watches? Do you really need another jumper when you've got 17 in the cupboard? Do you really need to go out and buy a sandwich or or worse, you know, some fried food that if we have that health conversation isn't good for you, when you could have brought a salad from home that would have saved you money and saved your health? So it's just about whatever you do, I don't mind, but do it consciously. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, just know that you're going to have this wonderful future. Effectively, If we're supposed to, and I don't know if you have a retirement age, but we have a retirement age around 65. If you're going to live until you're 95, that's 30 years. I don't know how old you are, but that's all my adult life all over again. Imagine if you had the whole adult life all over again, but now you don't have to work just to pay the bills because of the decisions that you made today. You don't have to work in the future. You can but you don't have to work in the future. Right. Now, what sort of a future are you going to have? And what spending choices are you going to make that will be different tomorrow? And, and if that's the only thing you do by either listening to this podcast or reading the book, that is going to monumentally change your life in the future. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all this wealth of information, Vicki. I appreciate all of that. It's, 
it's definitely something that we all need to consider. Um, no matter, I think, where you live and what country, I think it's probably prominent on a lot of people's minds. And I think it, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying to, mm-hmm. to, to make those decisions and have that retirement that you want. So thank you. Yeah. For um, I want to also ask a little bit more about you, Vicki, and just yeah. talk a bit about your influences and uh, what's led you to this point, I guess, to be an author. Okay. So I think if you're going to ask me who has influenced me, I sort of would always say my dad because, I don't know, he was just a big character in our lives. He's no longer with us. But, you know, his memory, the temptation is to go back to him. But I was speaking to someone, in fact, it was last week when I was giving a talk. So I was giving a talk last week, um, and the talk's called Rewrite Your Future. So talking about the process of writing books and thinking about the future. And I realized that while it was my dad's big influence sort of on me in terms of personality and decisions, the motivator and the inspiration of my children and my grandchildren. My children inspire me so much. They are just amazing girls. And if you remember back to the start of the podcast, you know, I was in an awful marriage and ended up as a single parent. And they were just two and three years old when my marriage broke down. Wow. And to, to see the wonderful women that they have both become now inspires me um, because they can't have had things easy because of the things that happened to me. But now to also meet two of my grandchildren, they make me want to be an even better version of me so that I can contribute to making an even better version of the world for them. And I think that's influencing or inspiring. I think, yeah, they influence me. That's, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Even though one of them can't even speak yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, family is uh, so important. And yeah, it's incredible that, I guess, how, how did you feel like you worked through that breakdown in your marriage as your kids at such a young age? Was there, I guess, any lessons learned there or anything that might encourage the listeners if they are going through that because I know that's pretty, I don't know if that age and having kids that younger is, is common, but I know divorce in general is. So, mm. Well, I think whatever age your children are, it's difficult. And I sort of half thought that it was easy because they were younger because they wouldn't understand. But actually, they then grow up with very little memories of a, of a father in their life. And then that is a big gap for them going forward. But also, you know, if, if your children were 10 or teenagers, then they got the loss of a character that was in the life. So it's, it's not easy any way that you do it. Yeah. But I think whether you're, whether you're the, the male or the female in, the, in a partnership, whatever it is, when that breaks down, doing your best to put children, if you have them first, then that's key. But I think for me, what went wrong during the marriage was giving away my power. And I was listening to your podcast, and I might say his name wrong, so I'm going to have a stab at his first name. He was a monk, Rajan. Rajan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I listened to Rajan because I just liked that um, his title was Everything's Your Fault. And I have that as one of my mantras, you know, that everything in your life is a result of the decisions and the actions that you've taken. If there's anything missing, it is your responsibility. I use that instead of the word fault. It's your responsibility, but there's no blame or guilt, just a lesson to learn. And then he goes on about responsibility and took it in another way. And he said that if you take responsibility for stuff, um, 
I don't know if he said that you had the power or he said if you give responsibility to somebody else, they have the power. And I, and I absolutely believe that. That's one of the things, as I say, I was speaking about last week. Yeah. If you take responsibility, then you have the power. And I allowed my ex-husband to take more and more and more power from me until I became powerless. You know, he did it through sort of bullying and intimidation. But I became so weak that, you know, when I, I looked at my two little girls and I just thought to myself, you're going to look at this woman as a mother and, and that will be your role model for what a, a mother you might become. And you're going to look at this woman as a woman and that might be the woman that you grow up to be. And I didn't want them to be influenced because we talk about influences, don't we? We, yeah. we just... I didn't want them to be influenced by this weak and pathetic person who was sad and miserable and bullied. And I just knew that I had to get away and become what I was meant to be. And I think you, you find somewhere, something to give you that strength. And if you've got children, I hope that your love for your children is the thing that gives you the strength to go, no, enough, we need to change this dynamic. And you could be the husband and it could be your love for your children that makes you go, actually, we're not happy. We need to change the way that we are in this relationship. And sometimes counseling can fix it. But sometimes actually you just need to, you need to come apart and be two separate people. But with the children that you put at the heart of everything else that you do. Yeah. Mm. And, and I hope nobody listening is going through it because it's not a nice thing. But if you are, know that actually if you start taking responsibility but the decisions and the actions you're taking, you can literally rewrite your future. And that's what I feel I've done with my books. I've written my future by writing my books. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Vicky. That's quite encouraging. I think it, it's something that's at least people, I, I, some people I know that uh, have it on their, their plate right now. So I thought I'd mention it and thank you for sharing. Mm, my pleasure. Well, let's talk a little bit more about books and influences yeah. there. I wondered if you might share any of your favorites, things that have influenced books that maybe have influenced you over your life. Yeah, it's interesting, really. Lots of people read books, you know, to sort of inspire them. And, and I find the problem I have with a book is that if I'm reading it because I want to learn from it and I want to sit down with a pen and a colored marker and, and mark the book. But then in the evenings, I like to read a book in bed or I, I read off a, a Kindle. And I like to just read storybooks that I just get lost. I don't want a book to make me think when I want to sleep, although that's where a lot of people read. So actually, I read a, probably a lot less books than a lot of people. But a couple of the ones that have made a massive difference for me is The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. And it's a story of a man learning that there are opportunities all around him. He just has to open his eyes to see them. And I read that maybe close to 20 years ago now. And I love that idea that we are surrounded by opportunities and, and they're there just for us to notice them. And there's so much stuff. And if you walk around all day with your head in that phone, your head's not up <laughs> to see the opportunities, unless it just so happens that the opportunity you need to see is on that phone. But yeah, I don't know that there are as many opportunities on Facebook and Instagram as you might like to think. I think there are other opportunities also in other places in the world. And then I have a dear friend, and I, I must introduce you to him, Tom Evans. Um, so he started 
mindfulness, I think, before it really became very popular. Um, and he's written, I think, maybe 13, 14, 15 books, something wow. like that. His latest book is called Soul Waves, and this is his first novel, and that's his story of the future. So I'm just reading that at the moment. But he's written other books called This We Are and This We Know. I mean, little books that sort of take his influences from the tarot, so looking at the arcanas and the mystical messages that are in there and then translating them into stories that we can understand. And, and I just love his writing and, uh, and his voice. He does a lot of audio stuff too. He's on, um, you have Insight Timer, quite a big American meditation Got it. app or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's on there quite a bit as well. So yeah, I would say those are probably my two offerings. Under Wonderful recommendations. Thank you so much. <laughs> I always get, get a lot out of asking those other people who have gotten through so many other books that I, I know I need to read as well or I want to read. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully the listeners as well. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask also about a quote and if there was a favorite of yours or something that inspires you often, Vicky. Wow. I, I think there are so many quotes, aren't there? I will go with a couple that I've just seen recently. So one was by Carl Jung and it's something like, I'm not what happened to me. I'm what I choose to become. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. I love that. Yes. And that's back to that idea of if you take responsibility, then you have the power. So I think that for me is great. And then, do you know Maya Angelou? She was a, an activist. I think she's American, isn't she? Or, or certainly over that side yeah. of the world. Yeah. And she's got one. It was a meme that came up just last week and it was something along the lines of do the best you can until you know better and when you know better do better so again that's a bit like that idea of the reverse of it's your fault there's no blame you know everything is a lesson so do the best you can now and as soon as you know more and you can do better then do better you know and you can always go back and you know I, I imagine when you did podcasts your first podcast would be nothing like this podcast now because you're improving all the time. But if you never did that first podcast, we wouldn't be speaking today. So it's about being brave and taking those, again, Celestine, take those opportunities when they come. Yeah. And then, you know, do your beta version and then get better and get, get better. And we can be that in life, you know. Your very first loving relationship is probably nothing like the relationship you're in now, unless you've actually married your school sweetheart, you know, <laughs> you might have done that. But, you know, if you haven't done that, then in every relationship, you'll be learning how to do it better and just doing that. Wow, wonderful quote. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing those, Vicky. All right, well, I wanted to wrap up the show with a little bit on the book writing process and wondered, with all your experience having written several books, if you might share what's really helped you along the way and anything that might provide as encouragement to those listeners that maybe haven't written a book that are thinking about doing so. Okay. Well, I think the, probably the first thing to say is that writing isn't about you, the author. It's about the reader. I mean, I, I have written in the past where I've just written down my thoughts. And I mean, my desk is full of pieces of paper where I just write my thoughts. But if what you're actually intending to do is write what we call a book, so it's a structured document that you intend to publish for strangers to read rather than a journal you might choose to share with a partner. You're actually going to publish a book. 
then you need to think about who that person is that is going to read your book. And whether you want to entertain them, whether you want to change minds, whether you want to shock them, start a revolution, whatever you want to do, you've got to write for the benefit of the reader. And when you recognize that you're writing for the reader, that's step one. Who, who is that person? So I want to write books for people who look and are interested in the things that you, Aaron, are interested in. And so I have you in my mind and all of the people like you, and then I write my book to you. But before I start the writing process, I have to then think one more thing. Okay, so I know that my target audience is going to be Aaron, but how do I ever get to Aaron to let him know that I have written the best book that he ever needs to read to entertain him, shock him, teach him, whatever? So unless you work out who your ideal reader is and how you're going to get to them, you'll end up in the situation I did when I wrote my first actual book book in 2010. So I wrote the book, I published the book with the help of a friend, and I didn't know what you do. So I ordered 500 copies of the books, which I have to say is a lot of books, a lot of books in terms of money and a lot of books in terms of space. And they lined up, they were delivered and they lined up under the <laughs> windowsill in the front room. And after look at them for a week, so every evening we'd come down, turn the TV on and there would be the boxes and boxes and boxes of books going, oh, I'm a book, I'm a book. And I'm going... <laughs> I'm going to have to do something with because nobody seems to have arrived at the front door to take one of these things. <laughs> I've got to do something with them. Um, I know it seems so obvious to us now with Amazon and everything else, but 2010 was basically the dark ages. You know, I know there was still Amazon then, but it just was not so obvious. And now you've got, you know, KDP, this whole publishing thing that Amazon have got, and they're not the only ones. There's other ways of doing it. But, you know, getting your book on Amazon or getting a Kindle or getting it print on demand, it, that's so simple. But yeah. you still need to know, how do I tell Aaron to go to Amazon to buy my book? And that's key. So first, know your reader. Second, know how you're going to let your reader know that you've written the book. Only then do you start reading the book. And then there's plenty of other things about the business reason for doing it. But, you know, those are the three things. And I think at the end of it, the last thing I'd leave with you there is, do you know Blair Singer? He's one of Robert Kiyosaki's um, advisors. Or, so he's written a book called, I think, something like The Little Voice. And I was at an event and he asked a question and I put my hand up and I got picked out of, of the audience for one of those, right, stand at the mic and, and be coached <laughs> in front of the entire room. And we were talking about sales and he said to me, do you believe that you have something of value to share with the world? And I said, yes, I did. And he said, are you sharing it with the world? And I said, no, I wasn't. And he said, you're selfish. Even <laughs> now, that still makes me goosebumpy. And I think that those words have sort of stayed with me. If you passionately, I mean, you obviously love books and you love sharing all of this with people. If you didn't do this podcast, you'd be being selfish not to share the three things that you've got here, the, the contacts that you've got that are authors, your knowledge of the technology to enable this to have and, and your passion that you must have to be wanting to do this in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you have a book in you and you believe that you have something that will make a difference to the world, maybe make them laugh, maybe make them cry, maybe help them change the way they think for the better. And you're not writing that book because you haven't thought about who would want to read it and how you will tell them that you've written it, 
you're selfish. <laughs> and I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's hope that that had the same effect on you that Blair Singer had on me. <laughs> I think also just yeah, a great way to think about and motivate yourself to write. I know when I was writing my first book, it was about my kids and I was you know, it was all about uh, how I overcame something big in my life. And it was uh, a sickness I had. And I thought later, if they were to get this, and they didn't have the information that I possess by being able to overcome it, that would have been a tragedy, you know, to, to not have written it down. So I think there's a lot of those stories and a lot of that knowledge information that people have that they just need to get it out there and share. And there's so many people that could benefit from it. So absolutely. Oh, I agree, agree with you. With you. Yeah. And we've got a big thing at the moment around mental health. I don't know how that's playing out in the States. So real awareness of mental health issues. Um, at this moment that we're recording, we're only a few days after the very sad suicide of someone who was on a, a sort of a much loved TV program. Wow. And she's obviously struggled and there's been no one there for her what if someone else had been struggling and had written their book of how they overcame their struggles? And what if she happened to read it and that gave her the strength to reach out, then maybe she'd still be with us. And there are so many things from mental health issues through, you know, illnesses, physical illnesses, you know, me and my hips, you and your illness, but also just general things like coping with business, coping with being a father and running a business, coping with being a a mother as a single mother and you know if you don't share that stuff and if you have fears about writing look what we're doing do it on a podcast go and guest on someone's podcast or start your own podcast if you don't want to make a book and then take these recordings and get them transcribed that's so easy and then give them to somebody who's an editor to put them all together for you do it as a video everybody's walking around doing you know Facebook lives and Insta lives and all of that. Yeah. If you've got something passionate, just get it out there. Just do it. <laughs> well said. Well said. Yes. There's no excuse, right? There's, we're so blessed to have all the technology we do and the resources to, to, to make it happen and, and to get the book yeah. out there, as you mentioned, with Amazon and, and all the other online publishers Absolutely. that we have now. So, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Vicky. It's been such a pleasure to have you and just love your energy, your positivity, your smile. I uh, just want to thank you so much for your time and wondered if you just, if there's anything else at all, absolutely anything you'd like to share, go for it. Otherwise, just let the listeners in on where they can connect with you online. Okay, awesome. So uh, one thing I do have, if anybody is interested in doing the whole wealthy retirement thing, is on my website, there is something called a scorecard. It's basically an online quiz. And you can just go to the online quiz and take it. It takes maybe five or 10 minutes. And it will help you think through what I call the five principles of a wealthy retirement. So getting clear on what it is that you want for your future, thinking about how in control of your money you are now, what resources you've got and how you're leveraging them and what legacy you want to leave. And then it produces this personalized report full of tips to get you going. And I would just love to get that out to as many people as possible. And the worst that's going to happen is you get a few emails from me. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. But don't say I spammed you because I didn't. <laughs> but just, you know, just unsubscribe if you don't want to get any more of the emails. But at least you'll get this score and these tips and maybe that will make a difference for you. And then in terms of getting hold of me and the website, so I guess you'll put all the correct spellings, but just so that you know, I'm Vicky Wushay, spelled V-I-C-K-I. And then my surname is W-U-S. 
S-C-H-E. So my website is VickyWoshay.com. My Facebook is, you know, slash VickyWoshay. The only one that I'm different on is Instagram because <laughs> being a technical muppet, I somehow couldn't get Vicky Woshay and I've got Vicky underscore Woshay, which really irritates me. <laughs> um, and then in all the places where I am, LinkedIn and everything else and Twitter, I use the hashtag Wushanomic and that's W-H-O-O-S-H-O-N-O-M-I-C-S. And so when I put my posts up, you can follow along on the hashtag if you want. But, you know, I'd love to connect with you if any of your listeners are re- listening uh, and want to connect. Find me somewhere, say that you listen to this podcast, and I'd love to get your feedback or I'd love to help you in any way that I can. Ah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Vicky. Appreciate it and definitely encourage your listeners to check out Vicky's books on Amazon. Um, and we were talking today about the Wealthy Retirement Plan. So go check it out and, and Vicky's website, obviously. And just want to say thank you again, Vicky, for joining me and uh, all the best in your future and your retirement and uh, all the many things you're doing to help others. Thank you for your time, Aaron. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.